farm business it is, is is that the name it's a working name if you have any uh, suggestions please send them in barnyardisms the corral Ooh, uh, that's that's pretty oh, good nailed it all right never mind don't send anything in i think we already <laughs> got it figured out uh this is where we just kind of go over you know things that happen in the corral um meaning what's going on at rodeo um and so Today, we have a couple of topics that we'd like to discuss. Uh, first one being the hand-cultivated kits that have been in development for two years now. Uh, and the second topic we will unpack uh, is Flanimal 5.0. And for that topic, we brought in the junior and senior builder of Stoke, Sheldon. Wait, if you're the junior and the senior, what are Michael and Tom? The juniors of junior? The junior, junior mechanics. Double juniors? Okay. Sheldon no longer builds every single bike at Rodeo. We now have more people, but Sheldon mostly builds every bike and makes sure that they're rad. I promise I touch every single bike. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, you know, I mean, it's not just being a builder of Stoke. It's a little bit of wizardry. Um, There's there's definitely some wizard happenings. I no longer have a wizard beard. But I am still a wizard. Oh, you actually got rid of the stash, too. <laughs> yeah. Weird. Okay. It got weird. All right. Well, um, that more on that later. Um, I think we should probably jump into the hand-cultivated kits is what I'm calling them. But I don't know. We Maybe. should have branded them that. Hand-cultivated. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so they're shipping. Uh, everything was packaged up yesterday. Not that yesterday has any weight or meaning in a podcast, but it happened. Yeah. We, a lot of me, but we, because I spread those kits around when I was working on them, worked on, we were working on kits for the last two years. What's the most interesting thing about kits is we've always had kits. Ever since before Rodeo was a bike company, we were making, doing the kits from 1.0. And then we did them in the beginning with Castelli and they were great. They were really great to work with high quality, good stuff. Uh, and then later last two years, we worked with Rafa. Those were also great. Uh, also recommend, um, for custom, uh, and otherwise, but the problem with working, uh, with other people on kits is that they never really, they're not making a kit. Um, like their priorities aren't your priorities. Uh, they'll make the kit that the most people need. And then uh, and we're talking about clothing. That's what kits are, cycling clothing. So they make, you know, they develop their collection and then let you put your logos and graphics on it. And after uh, approximately one week of existing, I already wanted uh, in 2014 to like have our own stuff, but that was so far out of reach. I just wanted to do things our way, which is exactly what we're doing with the bikes. So why not do it with the kits? Well, it takes a whole bunch of time and a lot of money and all that stuff. So better for a long time just to do bikes. Um, Cause kits really aren't like a major profit center for rodeo, but they are part of, I guess the creative thing that we want to do. Yeah. I, I think that's, 
that's pretty interesting too because this is also the first time that we're marking the shift from you know the very first kit that you launched in 2014 was called 1.0 and you know for what six years you iterated on that all the way up into 6.0 and and here we are um and you finally decided to to go out on your own not work with a clothing manufacturer you've sourced your own fabrics you've you've worked um kind of drafted your own templates but we're also not calling them any kind of version yeah. point oh. series the series numbers are gone for now because i think we changed our thinking about what we want to make so now we just want to make like if all you want is a jersey great you don't have to buy like the jersey and the shorts and this whole this is the whole collection it's just going to be whenever inspiration hits we'll make something and if it's a it's a joke you know or a funny jersey we make 20 we'll do that and then if it's like something we think is going to be really great we'll make a bunch but it's not one thing for one year anymore it's just another way for us to enjoy what we're doing and put our own spin on it the, i <laughs> i don't know you guys you see a lot of gravel kits out there and you're like what's a gravel kit um Ours are not gravel kits. It's just clothing that we're trying to make well and make it durable and price it fairly, make sure it fits well. Um, so we're not going to put a lot of gimmicks and marketing jargon into these things. It's just, you know, it's a mid-weight jersey, good for riding bikes in, has pockets carry stuff, should be pretty durable, comfortable, uh, and not break the bank. And we'll probably do like an aero, lightweight, East Coast humidity one, get around to it. So it's fun. Yeah, and people were stoked, which is always really exciting when you see, like, what in the world? My inbox is blowing up. People have bought a ton of kits. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that uh, when you made the the woolies and then you created the the lamb woolly bike packing, put it as one of the fiftieth hottest hottest gift buys of the year. <laughs> that was funny. And kind of you couldn't off. even buy it. That's the no, best yeah, part. You couldn't even. <laughs> when they put it out. on that list, that you couldn't get them anymore. Oh, we're definitely going to keep doing that. I'm sorry, but like making things and then ending them is definitely a really good thing to do. So we'll never make anything as cool as the lamb woolly ever again for sure. So if you have one, good for you. We're not just going to keep printing them. Um, there may be things in the future with a lamb head sticking out of a pocket. I'm not swearing off that. That's just fun. Cargo bibs? L- let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could see a lamb head coming out of a cargo bib, really folks. fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, we have our own clothing now, and we're not uh, trying to take over the world. So, um, you know, like the point isn't to be a big bike company or a big clothing company. The point is just to make things that we want to exist, you know, when we're out riding and come back with ideas and be like, we can make that. So, um, same way the fork gets better, the bike gets better. I hope our kits get better with people talking about what they like and what's working or when any of us here at the company goes riding and we come back and we're like, you know what, you know, what would be good. Um, we can do unique things. So it's not just the power of the lab, it's the power of the crowdsourced lab. A lot of the feedback, yeah. not just in kits, but also bikes, comes in from people saying, hey, have you thought about that, right? Yeah, I don't know. And speaking for myself, I'm not that clever. Like, I don't see trends coming. Um, I mean, the whole trail donkey thing was pretty lucky, but that wasn't like someone seeing into the future. Uh, and all the things that we've done to the spork over time, that's all been people asking for them. Hey, could you put dynamo routing in it? Can you add this? Can you add another mount? Can you, you know, your eyelet positions, can you change those? Uh, more tire clearance, smooth, it, all that stuff. 
came from people or builders asking for something. We also get a lot of bad requests. So feel free to send in your bad requests. Um, it doesn't become a good request until we hear it a lot repeated. And then it's like, wow, that's worth, that's worth listening to. But the guy with the one, you know, wants a hundred millimeters of fork rake, not doing it. Um, that's a bad request, but, but it's okay to ask. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's good to keep in mind, uh, folks at radio or folks out there listening to the radio podcast. It's certainly crowdsourced around here. Um, in that in that vein so yeah we've heard people asking for mountain bikes and titanium and would you make your bikes in the united states and all, we hear all that stuff it's super fun um doesn't mean we're big enough to do everything tomorrow but at least in a week we can probably pull we it off probably, yeah, yeah i'd I say i could give us a solid by week. this time next week we could have um a dual suspension uh down country mountain bike and a couple of sponsored riders totally yeah. made out of plywood yeah. right and absolutely and, uh, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> sent over to bicycle pubes right yes <laughs> uh, i know drew is not on the podcast today who who works here um because he has been doing quite a bit of back and forth with uh, a project that he's nursing along for next year um and i'm like drew you want to be on and he's like i, can't, I just can't do it today because he's he's cooking in the lab not meth promise um <laughs> that's a pretty big <laughs> teaser to to drop i'm just saying drew's working on something i don't know what it is yeah there's something coming so obviously you should continue to listen to this podcast like subscribe smash that button do do all the yeah. things i'm also working on something that drew's not working on so two things are being worked on but who knows what they are and, and apparently no one knows what they are except those two all of us do i mean if yeah. anyone opens their mouth <laughs> we'll send out the enforcers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in the clothing business now, and it's never going to really be the backbone of what we're doing. Um, it's just going to be a piece of what we're doing, and it's really fun to work on. Uh, it's really fun to go. Can't we just do this? And the answer is yes. Finally, uh, and that's why we're we are where we are because we did a lot of that for the last seven seven years. We were like, could we just, and they'd be like, no, we don't really do that. I'd be like, okay. Right. So finally we're at the point of no more no's. We'll do it if we want. AKA we have our own templates. And if we don't have the template, we'll make one. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's like take two inches off that or a centimeter off this and tuck that up a little further and reinforce the stitching on the top of the pocket. Like all that stuff's ours now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to steal the thunder from, uh, the the ladies squad the posse but i know they're also developing women's kits and i know we're going to have them on the podcast but do you want to talk about how they're developing some of the cuts for women specific clothing yeah uh we'll have rodeo adventure posse ladies we will have you on um like next week it's time uh so that that's our women's squad that we launched this year and then uh covid counterattacked our team initiative and so they haven't been able to do as much as they wanted but they're still out there still scheming and i think importantly this year we've been like okay we're going to do clothing but we're also going to make sure we get it right for the ladies so we started from zero and then we did a first draft of everything and then they sent us just a few hundred pages of notes and then we're back on second draft now um and those are in production so then those will go back they'll give us feedback 
tell us what they like, don't like. Uh, and we're rolling out like a legit women's kit instead of just unisex, which is what we have right now because it's done. Uh, and we're not fast-tracking half-baked women's things to get them done at the same time. Like, things around here are done when they're done. So I, I think we'll just have a wide launch on the women's stuff for 2021 when everyone's sort of thinking about new clothing anyway. Um, but it'll be fun. Um, and then I think ostensibly anything that we're making, any jersey, any thing if if we allow some measure of pre-ordering like this we did in stock but we also did back ordering and pre-ordering we could say look if you want an extra extra small or an extra 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 large in women's you can order right now so i'm thinking about like what if we only have one of those how will we accommodate these sizes because the spectrum is huge and i think we'll try and handle that with pre-orders um if there's something we just can't make we're just going to say well we're not the only brand out there. You should totally check out Machines for Freedom or Shredly or all these really dedicated women's brands that are going to be better at it than we are for a while out of the gates, maybe forever. But we'd like to at least offer what we do to the ladies equally to the dudes. Um, yeah, makes us stronger when we have a good mix. I think something cool about what we're doing with the lady kits is we're actually letting women design our kits that ride bikes. Yeah. We're not doing the quote unquote pink it and shrink it that other clothing, clothing brands do. <laughs> um, we're at, we actually have quite the squad developing them. So I think they'll be pretty sweet. Yeah. And Maria shout out uh, here in Denver is uh, already a longtime veteran of the garment industry. And when she joined up with the adventure posse, we were like, okay, we could see where this is going. So, she knows more about clothing than everyone else in rodeo combined. Um, and so already what she just dug into and started revising on the women's stuff, it's like, Oh, that's what an expert looks like. Um, like I've felt my way through developing the pieces that I wanted and I'm working with people who design patterns and are really good at it. But Maria's all of that. So, um, probably we'll have better women's garments than men's garments. <laughs> ongoing <laughs> why not i love yeah. it yeah no i think that having an expert um probably just cuts down some of that lead time so uh like we said we'll have them on the podcast sounds like we set a deadline of next week so uh next week it is yeah we'll have to record yeah i'd like to do an episode a week i mean yeah yeah seems like we can it takes about an hour yeah so stay tuned for more we'll unpack that further but Right now, maybe we can transition over to Flanimal 5.0. Uh, I think the anticipation has been huge. I know that people uh, on day one of uh, the launch, actually, Stephen, you weren't even here for the launch. No. You launched a bike when you were out of the office. I think that was our biggest product launch ever in terms of how important the Flanimal is and how excited I was about it. And I just got on a plane and turned off my email for a month. And I was like, all right, Rodeo Squad good luck launching the bike. Um, and then every, they did. Um, that was crazy to come home to. That was right before COVID was terrible. So there was like a total week of like, this is the most amazing year ever. And then, well, it's still been a good year for us, which is weird to be able to say out loud, but the Flanimal launch is pretty rad. But uh, I think people on day one, just on that launch that Again, you like to step back and not even be there for. I think that's that's huge. I think that's really awesome. Um, people ordered it, and then people have been just in limbo waiting for it. Oh, uh, 
<laughs> That's been such a hard year. <laughs> Getting it made. Not a bad year. Hard. Uh, because nothing about that bike uh, has gone off without uh, a round of problem solving. Um, and, and our schedule was just not even always because of COVID, but because there were things to figure out and refine. And even like, you're not just making the bike, you're making the process to make the bike repeatedly and precisely. Uh, and, you know, when you make a prototype or a bunch of prototypes, you really are making like basically a hand-built custom bicycle where there's really one builder and he is figuring out all these little problems on a case-by-case basis and just making a couple of bikes. But his mind isn't about how do I make a bunch of these? His is just, I need to make a, you know, a small number, a half dozen of these uh, or one if we're making a quick revision. So he doesn't think about that. Then you get past to like, all right, this is the final bike. And then a, a whole new group of people have to go, yeah, well, <laughs> how are you going to cut the head tube hole out at scale with precision um, and the way that the guy did it once may have taken, who knows, six hours. We can't spend six hours on every production frame cutting the, the head tube relief out. So that that got in the way, slowed us down. Uh, we also made the bike stronger um, because it fits bigger tires. And the logic there is people are going to do sillier things on bikes with bigger tires. It's closer to a mountain bike, and it's going to be ridden by more people that way, which we've been doing with our bikes since the beginning, but now more people will be doing it. And there's a bigger range of riding styles. There's that finesse dude. And then there's like trail gorilla who just throws his bike down the mountain through the boulder field and expects his gravel bike to be invincible. So we're trying to make the bike more resilient in anticipation of how rowdy everybody is. You don't have to call me out like that. I know you already said I have a flamboyant riding style. There's, (laughs) there's no bike strong enough for you, Nick. The only hope is that repairs are feasible. <laughs> yeah, Nick, how'd that derailleur hanger get bent? What was that? You didn't crash, but you crashed? Oh my goodness, you already, you already, <laughs> you already bent your derailleur hanger in your brand new build. <laughs> no. I saw him fall over and do that. He's riding those fat slicks in kitty litter. Oh, this is not this is not the topic or the episode where we discuss <laughs> tires, but I will say that those tires that make the bike look glorious in photos completely suck off-road. Yeah. Um, they're bald. I, yeah. Yeah. G1 speed, 50 millimeter, 700 by 50. Not really a good single track dry Colorado tire. Um, but if you want to tour across the United States, yeah, absolutely perfect. I'm, I'm looking <laughs> at Nick's bloody knee. So that's a testament to how bad those tires are. Yeah. Um, I thought I could go. There's this one segment and I'm not really... I used to be a KOM chaser like 10 years ago, but I'm not. But I thought, you know, maybe, just maybe, with a new bike, I could. And, yeah, there's just no contact on dirt. Well, speaking of, not to brag, uh, but I have been taking my flanimal on slicks all over Denver on the road, the 5.0. And I'm surprised, like, I'll get home and look at my ride. And I'm like, my goodness, I just KOM'd something on the flanimal on a road segment which seems like maybe it shouldn't be a thing, but uh, it's been really fun as a road bike. So if you do put slicks on your flanimal, go ride it on the road. It goes quick. Um, maybe even faster than any other bike in recorded history on a certain segment. 
I mean, the fastest bike you're, you're riding is the bike you're on at that given moment, at that given point in time, at that location, right? It's also the slowest bike. That yeah. was deep. <laughs> no. That was super deep. Where, super deep. Wherever you are. Um, Steven's not the only one to say that, by the way. The few flanimals we have out in the wild right now, uh, they have both said they are extremely, extremely fast Sweet. on the road. So cool. that is exciting. Is that Chris and Brandon? Yes. And, cool. Yes. Yeah, they were they were on the pointy end of deliveries. Yeah, someone said, so what's the feedback? Uh, yeah, I mean, we have their feedback, and we have the feedback from writing it internally, but um, don't expect some magazine to get a hold of this bike and do, like, a big nerdy review because that's just not really our style. Listen to a customer's feedback, and we listen to our own feedback, and that's really all we care about, uh, which sounds arrogant, but... Another way to look at it is that's how we've always done things and that's how we got where we are. And I'm, I don't really think changing the plan to try and appeal to a bigger base of review-based customers is like a good, good move for us. So I think we make a big promise when we sell a bike that no one's been ever to ride that it's not going to suck when they get it. Uh, and I don't get this bike sucks emails from customers. Uh, it could be that there are people out there who are like, yeah, that wasn't really that great but they're not writing us emails and you'd think they would if they were unhappy, but we do get plenty of, this has been fantastic. I'm having so much fun emails and those, those make my day and let me know that it seems like we're putting out a good bike. Yeah. No, animal is really good. It's a, it's a really good bike. Uh, I was telling someone that yesterday and I was like, I'm not trying to sell you this bike. Like, but, but I'm, you know, I just got to be honest. I am so happy with how this thing's turned out, and I have more miles on it than anyone. I probably have 4,000 miles on it. Um, and I'm, I ride it, and I'm just very happy that we managed to put the bike together. So, But just getting the bike built hasn't been the only challenge. Um, I think at this point, the, the challenge is starting to tip into, can Rodeo even source the parts for a build, right? And, and Sheldon, I mean, you've been experiencing this. You... I know you've told me on many occasions now you'll put something in a cart and then you'll refresh a page and the cart's been swooped out from under you and there's just no inventory. For the record, the pre-ordered bikes that we have in the queue, we have got the parts for those. It's new orders where it's it, it's a bloodbath. You can tell us about that, Sheldon. I don't want anyone with an yeah. order already in to be like, wait a minute, can they ship our bike? Yeah, we can ship your bike. We're, we're, just, you know, we're getting frames as fast as we can. Yes, like, we have a thousand build bins downstairs full of bike parts waiting for you, your frames. So yeah. it's, it's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, new orders, not so fine. It, this is probably the craziest I've ever seen it in the bike industry. And it's not just us. It's bike shops and like, just everybody. You just cannot get bike parts right now. It's super, I'll be like, super crazy. How about bar tape? And you'll be like, no, I bought all the bar tape that was left. Uh, and I'll be like, how about flat pedals? No, no flat pedals left. Yeah, it's, it's crazy because like, you know, there's what, three or four big distributors for bike parts in the U.S. And all the builders, all the bike shops, we're all using them. And no one can keep up. I mean, our QBP just last month was, you know, week out on shipping products to us, which yeah. is insane. Um, same goes for Shimano. Um, if you just cruise through the Shimano thing. Didn't they shut down for like a week just to catch up? They shut down for a little bit from what I understand to try to catch up. And then, uh, yeah, you just cruise through Shimano and everything's out of stock. 
even that you get down to like the Sora level and Tiagra level and it's wow. all gone. And some of it says like 2021 yeah. before a shifter will be back in stock. Yeah, it, it's crazy. I mean, I just ordered build, just basic build stuff and I bought the last of what I could find. Um, so what we're doing to help with that and we did months ago was we've always only ordered parts when a bike is ordered. So we don't have a warehouse full of bikes downstairs and we can just ship your GRX bike out the day after you order it because we let people customize their builds all the way from scratch, all the way up to can I change my bar and stem or put some red bar tape on it or different crank or I'm going to send you my crank. So we've always been an on-demand company, which seemed like it worked okay for the last (laughs) six years, but now there's no such thing as on-demand because parts are just unavailable from so many vendors. So we have started doing large OEM bulk orders uh, for parts. And we have never really, we've always guessed and planned how many frames to make, but that's been our our inventory item. And we've never been like, well, we need to grab a container load of Shimano or we need to, you know. So we've started to do that this year. Those Those parts aren't here yet, but we've ordered from our biggest suppliers direct factory orders now which is a bold, new, uh, scary step of like, wow, so many tens of thousands of dollars of commitment um, that we're putting into parts that we've never done before. And we're just holding those parts until they sell. And you're just kind of hoping, and by now we're confident enough, but you're still kind of like, I hope I bought the right amount. I hope I didn't buy too many. I hope, you know, we're not spending too much on parts when we should be spending more on frames or it's weird business stuff. Um, but we're growing up. We're like uh, an awkward adolescent bike company now. Not, not hopefully never really all the way grown up, but also not like a toddler anymore. So you got to start behaving like a grown up. Adulting. Yeah. <laughs> so hard. <laughs> I got the into the bike industry to keep being a child, but now I have to adult. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in that vein, though, I mean, so when we do have the parts, you know, and we do, obviously, I, you know, we, we have all the parts in stock for all the, the pre-orders. What is it like to actually build a Flanimal 5.0 right now, Sheldon? It's so amazing. Just, I mean, I was so excited that when they got here, I just pulled a frame instantly out and started building it because I was just ready for them. Um, they actually build up just like our 4.1s or 4.0s. We have a few minor changes that we made um, as far as routing and stuff goes. But other than that, they're just as quick and they're relatively easy and they're a lot of yeah. fun. People think the internal routing thing is really hard to work with, but because of those plug things, it's really actually not hard to fish the routing and cables through the frame on these. But do put the plug on in the right order. Yes. <laughs> or yeah. You have to take it all back apart. <laughs> yeah. You leave those off and hook up your brake. You're either going to run with a big old hole in your frame or you're going to have to take it all back apart to make it work. Yeah, we we have planned. It's in our project management software to make tech videos for how to build bikes and route forks and put your tubeless tire on. And we have never had like five minutes where we're like, let's go shoot that video. So someday, uh, which is another thing we've done this year, we've hired more people. Uh, we added Evan um, and Michael and Tom, uh, and like we're just getting more bold about there aren't enough people here to keep up with everything. I guess that means we need more people and then we'll hire another person 
and then they're busy too. And it's like, wow, did that mean we got bigger or we were already super stretched out and now we're back to break even on having enough people? But it's weird. So there are nine, there are nine people in the mix around here now. So I was asking Glenn, how do you know when you've hired too many people? And, and who's Glenn for the dear listeners that uh, don't know? Sorry, Glenn is a co-owner of Rodeo uh, and a trusted advisor who has far more analytical left brain logic. So he's a he he, he knows business and process uh, and discipline. So he's a good guy to go. <laughs> Do we have too many employees here or not enough? And he can kind of look at it. So his answer is, we've never been caught up with anything. Um, how about we risk being over caught up for once and see, you know, what that looks like. So he's more bullish on, uh, human resources, which is the term that just came out of my mouth that I hate, but people getting more people around. So we have another potential hire on our horizon that we're just starting to get our brain around, but a, uh, systems integrator efficiency person who make sure our inventory, billing, tracking, build process, all of that stuff just works smoother. Um, you would not believe. Sheldon, tell me what happens when someone says, can I change my handlebar? <laughs> my head explodes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so already we've yeah. lost a mechanic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, changing parts after they've been locked is actually really hard because of the way we run. Um, we, have to re- we have to order that bar, get it here, and then, you know, make sure it's correct for whatever we're building. You know, if you change your bar and you're doing a DI2 bike and it's not drilled for DI2, well, that bar is not going to work because I'm not going to drill your bar. Sorry. And does the bar exist anywhere exactly. in the world right yeah. now? Other yeah. big question. And then what do we do with the bar that we had? Uh, okay, we need to add that back into stock. Um, we don't even like having stock, but we'll do that. And then, yeah, it, it's it can get... It can be a cascade that takes a bike that's, you know, near the build stand or ready for the build stand, and then it can delay it another week. Or if the bar's back-ordered, a just month, for you as know, much time yeah, as possible. It's just so for a handlebar swap. It's we just crazy. did one, built the guy's entire bike, uh, and the original build sheet had pink hubs, and then he came back pretty quickly and said, uh, can I get black hubs instead? Pink might be too much. And we said, sure, yeah. Um, but... That change wasn't entered exactly in the right box slash pull down in the in the tracking software, and they got built pink. And then we show him a picture of his bike, and he said, "No, no, 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 no! I wanted black cubs." And he was right. So then, what do we do? We have to either steal another wheel set with black cubs, or take his wheel set apart, relace it with black cubs, or you know, put the pink ones on the shelf and build it. Either way, we're talking about days to a week or whatever, and that's assuming everything's in stock. Um, yeah, so it, it doesn't scale like custom bikes don't scale. Like you can't do this in an infinite scale unless you just decide to, even though it doesn't make sense, which is kind of where we're at right now. Like if we wanted to just grow and sell the most bikes possible, we wouldn't let anybody customize anything because it's such a massive, just black hole of time and resources, but it's also what our bikes are about. So we're holding the line on that one. Uh, we may offer like totally pre-built bikes at some point if we want to like you know, put our resources there. But for the time being, um, you, can, you can change your parts spec on your bike. You can, you can check out on the website on a template build or you can email us and say, 
I really wanted those obscure Italian cranks, and we'll do our best to track them down for you. Starting with Google Translate, most likely. Right? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, well, I think everyone's like, how long is the parts catastrophe going to last? Is the bike business going to be crazy forever? Is that going to taper off in the fall? Is the economy going to catch up with everything? Nobody knows. Nobody knows the answer to that question. Yeah, those are those. That's some. That's those are questions. I don't know if we'll even be able to answer on a podcast like this. If we could predict the economic future of the world, we should probably start a podcast about that because that'd yeah. be a pretty good topic. Maybe we could try. Yeah, I mean, rodeo top ten stock picks go. No, don't do that. Well, the Nasdaq just opened. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. I don't know. What else do we need to cover? Hmm. Hmm. Did we do it? Did we do it? Uh, so people are probably like, yeah, well, where's my flannimal? You guys are being really vague. Uh, so the last thing that tripped us up with the flannimals, after we made the bikes, um, and they are all essentially made, I think some are just going through QC and whatnot, was shipping, which never before in the history of the world have we had a problem FedExing frames in from Taiwan. Not that we like to do that because it can cost 300 bucks right now to send a single frame across with FedEx, which I just believe me is not in the business model. Uh, we've been doing it anyway because they're so late. Um, but now uh, chapter new of the whole global pandemic and its effect on shipping is that there are fewer planes flying period globally so all of these logistics people, you know, were sending them in the cargo holds of, of passenger flights and like FedEx or UPS or DHL planes as well. Well, now passenger planes, that whole channel is just so scaled down. Um, and demand has not, I don't think, for shipping gone down at all. I think everyone's ordering everything online right now and everything's being shipped remotely. So much remote shopping. So shipping demands have gone up. So we, we get these first batch of frames and we pack them even uh, four to a carton instead of one frame to one carton just to make the carton smaller, uh, just save thousands of dollars on shipping. Um, and then we get them, and the FedEx people in Taichung, they come to pick these frames up, and they're like, they come in this tiny little like FedEx runabout thing. Um, it's like a tuk-tuk. I don't even know how small it is. And they're like, these don't fit in the vehicle. We can't pick these up today. And then they had to coordinate bringing a bigger box panel truck back a day or two later and so they pick them up and then and then you know we get word they've been picked up you're gonna have them on the ground like you know in 24 to 48 hours they sat at the airport for like five to seven days because uh they wouldn't put them on a plane because there's so much demand that fedex is prioritizing smaller packages because it can ship let's just say instead of our frames they could have shipped you know 500 envelopes so they just kept saying, no, don't put those on the plane. Don't put them on the plane. So, of course, we're just sitting here in horror. Like, I can't sleep. We're all stressed. Like, we know this wave's going to hit, and we're going to be building bikes like crazy. And then every day, <laughs> Sheldon comes, he's like, the frame's here? No. Yeah. It, no. It, it was a lot of... I have a tracking number, and it says exception. Um, so... Because that's what we love seeing as shipping exceptions on <sighs> tracking. It just makes so everything bad. so much better. So, 
What what these guys don't know is is I hacked into FedEx system and I delayed the shipment so my bike could jump the queue because yeah. I knew that if my bike didn't get built before the flanimals arrived, I was waiting a long time. Yeah, until like October. Yeah. I think Stephen did the same thing. I did too. <laughs> I had, it was a conspiracy. Yeah, we had the two <laughs> frames that we painted in Oregon, Cerakoted at Cerakote training, Nick's frame and my frame. Uh, just existing frames, didn't pull anything from inventory, didn't steal any customer frames, stripped them all the way down and re- redid them. Uh, and we were just dying to build them into bikes, but we couldn't do it when there were customer builds to do. So, I can't, yeah, it just uh, sounds terrible to say like, well, the customer frames didn't show up, so we get to have our bikes. It's just so wrong, but we're not going to sit here idle. So those things got built. There's bikes to be ridden and, and places to be to get inspired to keep rodeo rodeo. That's true. For the record, we didn't know if Nick's was going to get built either because of those brakes we put on yeah. where they're, they're technically not supposed to work, but we made them work. You mean you? <laughs> we, the Royal We Is in Sheldon? <laughs> yeah. Um, junior Shel- junior the, Mechanic the Sheldon junior, and Senior yeah. Mechanic. Um, but we made those Hope four piston brakes, which are absolutely amazing work with TRP levers. I, uh, I can't, I, w- I would say if don't do it, if you don't know what you're doing, yeah. um, it's definitely took a lot of work and, uh, what, two days of tinkering and making them work. I mean, but what does the average bike build take? Average bike build, depending, I mean, just a basic DI2 bike, usually get through it in half a day. Um, and, and mine took two days clearly i'm special yeah that's not a good use of resources other than the fact that that bike needed to exist yeah, yeah. but yeah just figuring i mean trp uses a bigger brake hose than shimano so that was the first issue and then just trying to get all the all four pistons to work that was another issue and you could only get three per caliber working and that fourth one was just well on at, strike. at first it was only two but on one side and then I had to figure out how to get the rest of oh, them to so go. Oh, so that's like an old mechanical <laughs> disc brake. Yeah, yeah. It, it was pretty confusing, but we made it happen. But kind of in a true lab fashion, I mean, rodeo is a lab, so think about it. You're doing something, and it might just not work. I think the most classic thing to do is to stop, walk away, and have an aha moment. And that's exactly what happened to you riding home on day one of building the bike, right? Absolutely, yeah. I was riding home, and I was just trying to figure out why the heck can, is this not working? And then it just clicked in my head. I almost turned around to come back, but what, what, I had why? cold beers at home. So <laughs> why didn't they work? Uh, so I've no- what the TRP is, and I noticed this especially when we put in new brake pads. Um, you kind of got to burp the system in a way to let out a little fluid. You know, ease that pressure in there. And that's basically what I did with this. It's, it seemed like it had too much pressure. And the uh, once I got all the pistons working they wouldn't retract. So they would just close and stay closed, which is kind of an issue. Um, just a mild one. Only if you want to go somewhere. That's <laughs> only a problem. Yeah. So uh, I uh, burped the system and kind of did a rebleed and everything, and miraculous, just randomly they started working. So, so it wasn't chance. No. I, it, was, Skill. It, it was pure brilliance. Wizardry. Yes. Yes. Cool. And... Uh, Judging by the skinned up knee on on Nick here, I'd say those brakes are working pretty solid, huh? That's a <laughs> lot of missing skin on that knee. The knee took the brunt of it. I'm actually really glad to report the bike is pristine. Good. Yeah. Except for that derailleur hanger. Drew spent a that, lot of time. Okay, so if I crashed on my left side, 
how does the derailleur hanger on the right side get bent? Yeah, that's a question for a different podcast. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, the bike is the bike is fine. The knee is fine. The brakes are uh, magical. Uh, they feel really good. Um, I guess if you have your very own master mechanic that can do some wizardry on bikes, then I recommend it. But it definitely seemed like a headache to just do to do. Um, also, if you just have Shimano or SRAM brakes, you can still get them, and they are probably set up way easier, except for the GRX Di2. They don't work with that. Straight oh. from Hope. I don't know why. That's what I have. Yeah. Um, Dang it. I wanted gold ones. They have a reason, and I don't know what it is, but our uh, our, our customer service wizard, Soren, probably knows. Yeah. Well, that's a bike industry. Nothing works with anything else, and everybody's coming up with new standards all the time. So It's kind of just building the mechanism between everything to make it all work, right? Yeah. That's why we try to build our bikes as neutral as possible. No special features, no weirdo things. Uh, maybe one or two weirdo things, but no proprietary acronyms yet. Um, just hopefully it works with all of the parts. But guarantee there will be a configuration where somebody will come out of left field and be like, I want this really obscure thing. Can you put it on? And generally those are Gates builds. Yeah. Sorry, Gates. I'm, I'm so glad we don't do those anymore. Man, you just said that on a hot mic. <laughs> I did. Uh, I, don't, I don't regret it. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Sheldon, but we are actually experimenting with a Flanimal 5 um, because it may or may not work, but we're just checking to see. We thought with the yoke that there would be no way to get it to work with a belt because of the clearance, but the, we'll see. No promises, but it may be possible at some point to have belt integration in a Flanimal 5, which we had to drop. Over Flan, yeah. Flanimal 4 had it. Flanimal 5 doesn't. So if you need it, go find a Flanimal 4 frame. They're still just as good. So do we need like a, a technical roundup of uh, of anything in the Flanimal 5 that we want to drop to the listeners? I mean, it's got mm-hmm. more clearance than before. A lot more clearance. There's it has more than we intended. Let's yeah. just be honest. Absolutely. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's basically a fat bike now. You can run uh, yeah. four-inch tires. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's a weird uh, sort of physics uh, bubble going on uh, in the space-time continuum between the stays and the fork and pretty much just whatever tire you put in there. No, that's not true. It goes up to about 29 by 2.1, 650 by 2.4. I kind of wonder if it would go a little bit in 2.4. We haven't tried that yet, and I'm not saying it can. Uh, a lot of that's helped by the slider dropouts in the back. Um, you put that huge tire in there, you can move the dropouts back a little, and all of a sudden you aren't hitting your seat tube, which, not to call anybody out, but there are a couple other gravel bike companies out there claiming their bikes fit huge tires, and then you look at the paper-thin space between the tire and the seat tube, and you're like, yeah, maybe mm-hmm. on Zwift. In the words of bicycle pubes, tucked. It's very tucked sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, burning paint off the seat tube with your tire is yeah. not, not adventure ready. So uh, the final gets yeah. around that with sliding dropouts. New sliding dropouts. They've been yes. revised, and yes. you actually we get quite a bit of sliding out of the dropouts now. Yep, they have, I don't know, is it 10 to 20 more millimeters of slider length? So the slider is the same. The part of the frame is unchanged, but the dropout itself, we changed the bolt spacing on those and matched up the bolt spacing left and right and then voila 
you can slam that sucker to like a 415 seat stay if you want all the way out to like 445 yeah they're pretty sweet i can confirm that that bike can steal wheelie even with them slidden all the way back so for all you single speeders out there that really like to play with that chain length we got you yeah and there is an absolute monster truck of a tire just being waiting to be put on a bike i saw it downstairs in the build queue and it's just that's that's you that's you brody yeah brody (laughs) (laughs) yeah those the trail boss 2.4s that showed up from wtb are massive they don't have tread they have chainsaws yeah they are a monster truck tire i'm really excited to put it on the bike though i think it's gonna be sweet no indications on whether or not it'll work yet we've never tried that's true and a 2.4 casing can have small treads or huge treads that make it bigger or smaller these are huge i can go i can go old school and get the tread clippers out start snipping the tread off make them a little faster what what uh what segment does that fit in the in the barn like where you like kind of clip the horse's hoofs like is there an analogy for yeah well there you did it okay. uh reshoe the hoof okay yeah yeah well anyway stay tuned that was that looked fun i'm excited to see that one built it is a heavy tire though man that thing was heavy it was like a six pound tire yeah <laughs> i think it yeah. weighed more than the frame <laughs> but it would be fun yeah and that's all that matters definitely some slow prs uh, slowest known times are definitely going to be a rodeo phenomenon in the future uh, no one has ever taken longer to ride this trail that's going to be our goal i like that that's pretty good i'm waiting for that strava segment that like the last the slowest time on a segment gets an award yeah that'll be good um all right what else i think that's it okay um before we cue the outro uh, we wow, would like is that to, a pun? Is that we, a pun? We would like to thank Q um, and wish him bon voyage on his wonderful new adventure. Um, but Q uh, wrote this amazing intro outro uh, a, probably like a year before we even ever made this podcast, right? Yeah. No, we said, hey, Q, we're going to podcast. Q works uh, at our, our neighborhood bike shop here that's 100 feet away, uh, Slow High. Uh, well, he doesn't anymore. He moved, but, uh, he, he did for many years and he's rad and we mentioned the podcast to him. And then the next day he was like, I wrote your intro. So we're very, very thankful for that. So may, we, may it never change <laughs> except for the dubstep remix. <laughs> Q, are you listening? Could you make us that please? Okay. Ricker, ricker. Yeah. No. All right. Cue right. it. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Uh, so we're trying to do this once a week. Uh, if you have something you want to hear about, you can just shoot us a note or a comment or whatever. And, you know, if you've got questions or ideas, uh, we've got a sweet list of people that we're stacking up to talk to. So uh, people from all walks of life and backgrounds. And, uh, yeah, we'll try and keep this varied and diverse and then keep these kind of what's going on here at the farm updates as just kind of a segment. What are we actually doing here? What's it like to be a tiny little bike company? in this weird world until then until then until then until then until then cheers rodeo labs podcast filmed in front of a live studio audience